Jesus knows my name. I can rest in his arms. He's always the same. When I fall, when I call, Jesus takes my hand, cleansing me, lifting me. He helps me to stand. Always the same. Oh, praise his name. Jesus never changes. He's always the same. Always together. His love is forever. Jesus never changes. He's always the same. In his love I'm secure. We shall never part. In his word I will trust and give him all my heart. In the dark of the night when my heart would fear, lovingly, tenderly, my Savior is near. Always the same. Oh, praise his name. Jesus never changes. He's always the same. Always together. His love is forever. Jesus never changes. He's always the same. Jesus never changes. He's always the same. have some truth about them. Amen. I like songs with truth, don't you? If you'd like to find your place in 2 Samuel chapter 21. 2 Samuel chapter 21. and We were there just a, I guess a Wednesday night ago or two, two Wednesday nights ago. I'm going to be preaching a title. The message is Defeating the Giants in Your Life. Defeating the Giants in Your Life. In 2 Samuel chapter 21, and we'll start reading in verse 15. 2 Samuel chapter 21, verses 15 through 22. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines, and David waxed faint. And Ishbi Benob, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. But Abishai, the son of Zerah, succored him. Do you remember the day when you thought the devil had the best of you? And somebody stepped in right on time. Yes, sir. Right on time. Somebody much more powerful than Abishai. His name was Jesus. And he stepped into your life. And that old giant that was about to devour you, he got defeated. Well, thank God for the cross. Thank God for Jesus. I'm glad he's still the same. He'll still save you today if you'll call out to him. Amen. And then uh, go back to verse 17. But Abishai the son of Zerah succored him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. 
And it came to pass after this that there was again a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibachai the Hushathite slew Saph, which was of the sons of the giant. And there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines, where Elanan, the son of Jarorjum, a Bethlehemite, slew the brother of Goliath the Gittite, the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. And there was yet a battle in Gath, where was a man of great stature that had on every hand six fingers, and on every foot six toes." Four and twenty-four in number, and he also was born to the giant. And when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimei, the brother of David, slew him. These four were born to the giant in Gath, and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants." You would have thought that this family of giants would have learned their lesson all the way back in 1 Samuel chapter 17 when David defeated Goliath in the valley of Elah. You'd have think somebody would have reminded them of that story right there. How a little shepherd boy, I mean just a teenager with no military experience whatsoever defeated a giant warrior that was nine feet and six inches tall. This passage here reminds us that when you think that you have defeated a giant in your life, beware. Because there will always be another giant to face. In verse 15 it says, The Philistines had yet war again, again, and again, and again with Israel. This verse has been Israel's story throughout its history. Look at the last 76 years of Israel's history since 1948 and what has taken place. Giant after giant, enemy after enemy has rose up against Israel. They'll push them back, they'll get the victory, but it doesn't take long. Here they come again. Another giant will attack them. But David defeated Goliath, uh, the giant, in 1 Samuel chapter 17. But now in 2 Samuel, the Philistines uh, have showed up again. But this time, the giant has another name. Was anybody paying attention? Could you tell me what the name of that giant was that I read just a few seconds ago? Do you remember his name? It's kind of a weird name. Does anybody remember Druid? No. Anybody remember? It's a funny name. Ishbi Benob. Now you know that guy was ugly. I mean, I'm sure that guy lived up to his name. I mean, there was another one there that had, you know, six fingers, six toes on each hand. And, and Ishbi Benob, I mean, his mom would probably didn't like him too much. I mean, who, who would call their kid Ishbi Benob? You know, could, could you imagine when you met him? You know, when he came to battle, says, My name is Ishma Benob. You killed my father, so prepare to die. And some of y'all get that later. Poor imitation of a, something else, another line. But if you look at verse 18, and verse 19, and verse 20, what happened to Israel? One giant after another rose up against them. 
Now we're living in perilous times, there's no doubt about it. The giant of sin is rampant in our country and in our communities. The giant of alcohol has slain and is still slaying thousands. Uh, this giant of alcohol has infiltrated the majority of the homes in our community. If it's not in the refrigerator, it's outside and it's already been consumed. And you can see the evidence as you go door to door. And you can see that this giant has made his way into many homes in our community. And if it ain't in the fridge, it's already captivated the minds of many young people who one day look forward... They actually dreaming and looking forward to the day where they too will fall prey to that terrible giant called alcohol. How about that giant of drugs? It's slain its thousands. You can't even stay in a hotel here in Myrtle Beach. I can't even bring in guest speakers and, and guest groups and put them in the hotel that every one of them's testimony, by the first time they come to church there, they say, man, we smelt marijuana, we smelt drugs there in the hotel. It's everywhere. I think we smelled it right outside the church the other night, didn't you, Andrew? He's like, my goodness. <laughs> right there. It's everywhere. And can I just say, vaping and cigarettes is just as much a giant killer as drugs. But yet our youth have already fallen prey to that. How about the giant of the internet? Boy, that internet has taken so many people hostage. So many young people are captive to the, to the internet. And, and not just young people, but older people as well. And I mean, they're being held up. They're being held up in a corner by the internet, just like Goliath had the army of Israel cornered up in the valley of Elah, and they could not move forward. People cannot get off the internet on their phone. They just can't do it. One video after another. One's never enough. Does that sound like drugs? Does that sound like alcohol? One sip's never enough. One hit's never enough. Same way with the internet. One video's not enough. One little short thing, clip, or whatever they do there, it's not enough. It's just constantly, constantly. just. just but guess what? Being held captive. You're being captivated by these things. And you need to be careful because that can become a giant in your life. People get caught up in a virtual world. I mean, people can't, they can't even function without referring to social media. You can't even function without it. I wonder if every Christian, whether young or old, was as captivated with the Word of God as they were with the Internet. I wonder what kind of revival we could see. Well, we need some Davids that's going to stand up and say, Hey, is there not a cause? We need some Abishai's that's <laughs> going to see others struggling and see them, they've been knocked down and beat down by the giant and they're going to willing to intervene on their behalf. In Jude 22 it says, And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. The giant baby killer, how about that one? Called abortion. That's as ugly as Ishmael Benob. That giant baby killer has been on the prowl since the 1970s. Over six million mothers and dads have vowed to this murderous giant called abortion. 
Life begins at conception. The baby inside the mother's womb is a living soul. Young people, adults alike, don't never let anybody convince you that it's your body and that it's your choice whether you murder a baby or not. And that there's no guilt or no consequences to the decision that you'll make. That giant, you know what he'll tell you? I know it's a hard decision, but you just really need to think about yourself. You, you need to put your family in perspective here and how hard it's going to be for you to raise a child in, in your situation. Do you know that the overwhelming majority of abortions are as a result of the giant of sin called fornication? Ladies, you'll never get pregnant out of wedlock if you abstain from fornication. Young men, adult, you'll never defile yourself or any other young lady if you abstain from fornication. In 1 Corinthians 6.18 it says, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. And 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. Hey, God has made a way for every person to not fall to that giant slayer of fornication. You know what God designed for that? 1 Corinthians 7.2 Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. And let every woman have her own husband. You know what that's telling you? Wait till you get married. And you and your spouse are going to be thankful that you saved yourself one for another. How about that giant of lying, stealing, cheating, cursing, and all these are great giant sins uh, that they will hold you down. One lie leads to another lie. Right. You can't just tell one, you're going to have to tell another one to cover that up. Yes, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger if you don't stop it. How about some church giants? There's some giants in the church as well. How about that old giant called pride? Yeah. Oh my, he shows his ugly head in church sometimes. How about bitterness? Boy, that's a giant killer right there in churches among God's people holding a grudge, getting bitter, and not just affecting them, but affecting everybody in their area of influence. How about jealousy? Boy, that's a giant in the church as well. How about gossip? Boy, that's one right there that'll get you. And one gossip's never enough. You see how all these things, you, you can tell what's not good for you. You've got constantly <laughs> another one another. Cause, because one, one little piece of information is never enough. As soon as you have a little piece, you're going to go tell what you know, and then, then you're going to try to find out what somebody else has got, and you'll find, you'll find somebody that's got something, a little, little different point of view, or maybe they think they heard something else, but if you're not careful, that's going to become a giant in your life. And that giant needs to be killed. How about the giant of a lack of surrender? Of just saying, yes, Lord. Not my will, but thine be done. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Romans 8, 13 says, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. 
But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Every day, for the Christian, we must die to self. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, I die daily. And I'm, can I just say, if Paul had to die daily, every one of us need to die daily. There's no Pauls in here. But I'm going to tell you what, if he had to die daily, so must we. We're going to have to say no to ourselves and yes to the will of God and the word of God. You know, just like David was no more a match for those giants, we aren't either. You think you can handle fornication, young lady or young man? You think you can handle that? No, you can't. You think you can handle lying, stealing, cheating, cursing, swearing? You can't handle that. All these things are giants. Alcohol, we can't handle it. Drugs, you can't handle it. We're no match for these giants. Hey, but our strength does not come from ourselves. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We have someone that's more powerful than Abishai. We have Jesus, the just, and He's interceding for us. He's at the right hand of the Father as our advocate. Aren't you glad He's not our persecutor? Persecutor, yeah, prosecutor. Both. Aren't you glad? He's there as our advocate. We can live a victorious Christian life in this wicked world. And young people, there may be drugs at your house. There may be alcohol at your house. You may even smell it every day. You may even see it every day. But you can live a victorious Christian life. You can defeat those giants of alcohol and drugs. God will help you with that. We've got the Holy Ghost that lives inside of us. And you know what He does? He convicts us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And when that giant of sin rises up to tempt us to do wrong, you know what He'll do? He'll say, mmm. He'll go, mmm. He'll say, mmm. When, you, when you're there and you, you know you shouldn't be doing it, but yet it's, you're being tempted, and boy, you know that right here is telling you no, no, no. Hey, that, that's the Holy Spirit said, hey, listen up, you don't like that. You don't want that. You don't need that. And he's trying to draw you away from those things. In James chapter 4 and verse 6, it says, But he giveth more grace. Aren't you glad that when the giants of life arise in your life... He giveth more grace. That means He brings more help to the table. Hey, that means He's ready to help you in any situation you find yourself. Wherefore He saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Hey, who's the proud in this, in this particular case here? It's those that think they can handle it on their own. I can handle this giant. David thought he could handle the giant too, but he couldn't. And, and he thought he had been slain there. I'm going to tell you, you better be careful thinking you can handle things. You better look to the Lord. Humble yourself and He'll give you grace. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and He'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He shall lift you up. You can have victory if you'll just humble yourself and submit yourself to God. Draw nigh to God. How about that giant sin of worldly music? Carnal and ungodly music. 
You know, every time you see a commercial on TV for alcohol or for things like that that's wrong, there's always the wrong kind of music associated with it. They go together. You don't see them in the background drinking at the bar singing, Jesus loves me. No, you don't. Why? Because that don't go together. But yet, you're going to hear rock and roll, you're going to hear country music, you're going to hear rap music, you're going to hear all that other stuff there. But you're not going to hear about amazing grace. All the sins that's been mentioned are often associated with ungodly music. I don't know of anybody that would have the testimony saying that I, I failed to the giant of fornication listening to amazing grace. But they failed to it listen to other music. And most of the time music's involved. There will be music. Young man, young lady, you seeing somebody, going to date somebody and listen to the wrong kind of music, just know what comes with that. It's not going to lead you to more godliness. It's going to lead you away from godliness. It's always associated together. You ain't going to be listening to old Peg McCamey sing and kick her leg and do her hanky and fall prey to that giant of fornication. I promise you that. It ain't going to happen. You won't fall prey to alcohol either. Drugs. That's why contemporary Christian music is so dangerous. It's dangerous for the child of God. Why? Because it's just a bridge. It's a bridge that takes you to greater sins. You know that in that contemporary Christian music realm, that there is so much adultery and fornication and alcohol use associated with those that perform that kind of music, they, they, just, they, they embrace a secular lifestyle, but yet they try to call it holy. Unto the Lord. You remember when Aaron had the bright idea to make a golden calf? <laughs> and he said, we're going to call it a feast unto the Lord. How did they act when he did that? They were dancing, they were playing, and there was nakedness involved. They weren't acting like the children of Israel. Matter of fact, the sound that they heard coming off that mountain, they couldn't tell it apart. They didn't know if it was a sound of war. They couldn't tell what it was. They didn't look like the children of God. They looked like the pagans around them. They wanted to mix the holy and the unholy. And you know what God was ready to do? He was ready to wipe them out. What did he say about that church of Laodicea? He's ready to spew them out of his mouth. It's the same God. He, he doesn't change. He does not change. He's the same God. You remember I told you what Laodicea means? Of the people, the church of the people. Give the people what they want. <laughs> Jesus is on the outside about to throw up. But here's the saddest part. You know what the saddest part is? We may not listen to that in church. But we allow that same style of music in our homes and on our phones. And, and we, we say it's holy. You know, because I don't listen to it at church or we don't sing it at church, but it's okay Monday through Saturday, you know, when I'm by myself. That's all that's all right. That's what Aaron did. He called it a feast to the Lord. May the Lord help us. God has not changed his point of view when it comes to worship. You know, people say that we're old-fashioned. That's a compliment. That's right. 
one of the young ladies that graces us with her presence here at church about once or twice a year and rides our van on major holidays, she told us. She was asked, why do you not come to church more often? She said, because y'all too old-fashioned. I said, thank you. Amen. And I said, the next time you come, I'm going to try to have it even more old-fashioned. I, I want to make sure that I, I don't want to disappoint you. I'd hate for you to think I was slipping. I'm going to make sure that, man, it's, it's even more old-fashioned the next time you show up six months down the road. There's a lot of Laodicean churches in Myrtle Beach. Ain't no doubt. And yeah, you better be careful because what may not cause you to fall and stumble, it may rise up to be a giant in your grandkids or in your kid's life. Better be careful. And they're going to be like David. They're going to be laying on the ground. And that old giant don't care. He does not care who he destroys. James 1.8 says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You listen to the right kind of music on Sunday, but you listen to the other kind of music Monday through Friday, you're an unstable man. You're double-minded, the Bible says. You ain't made up your mind yet, you want to serve the Lord. We see in our passage, as soon as they thought that they got rest from their victory, you know what happened? Here come another giant. Here came another giant. And guess what? He had the same goal as the one before him, to destroy Israel. So how do you defeat the giants? I mean, we need to know that, right? How do you defeat those giants in your life? Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. God tells us how to defeat the giants in our life. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Ephesians 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all... To stand. You know, for David and his mighty men and for the army of Israel, the giants that they faced were flesh and blood. They, 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 they were real people. They were right there in front of them. And, and uh, they represented the same sins as we've mentioned here before. But for them, it was easy to put them out. All they had to do was just end their life. And it was over. But in verse 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our adversaries are roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We, we can't just go out there and neutralize all the alcohol and drug dealers. That'd be nice if we could, but we just can't do that. We can't stop all the worldly music that's going on out there. That's not something that we can do. We can't stop all the apostasy that's going on and all the turning away from the truth that many people are doing now. But right here's what we can do. We can put on the whole armor of God. And we can just purpose in our heart to stand and having done all, to just keep on standing. Yes, sir. 
We can stand fast. We can hold fast. We can live a victorious Christian life. We can still be pleasing to God in 2024. We don't have to sin. We don't have to give in to sin. We don't have to yield to temptation. We can die to self. We can say, no, Matt Gordon, no. We can resist the devil. We can draw nigh to God. We can make much about Jesus. We can make much about His second coming. We can have God's power on our lives. We can have God's power to function in an ungodly world. We talked about Noah this morning. Noah lived in perilous times. But you know what? The Bible says that he was a preacher of righteousness. He did not change his message. Even though it wasn't popular, nobody wanted to hear it. He did not change his message. He did not compromise. He didn't quit. Even though he only influenced seven people that were saved from the flood, Noah stood fast. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God for 300 years in a wicked world. But surely the little years that we have left, we can walk with the Lord. Caleb and Joshua... They stood for the truth. They believed God when everybody else gave a negative report. Those ten bad spies, all they saw were giants. But Joshua and Caleb, all they saw was God that was bigger than them giants. They believed God. And you know what God did? He blessed them. You know what God wants to do for us? He wants to bless us. But you know what? We can't compromise in order to get His blessings. It may look like these Laodicean churches are flourishing out there. But that's not the blessings of God. That's just flesh. You can put on a show and draw people. Ain't no doubt about it. That don't mean God's blessing. You remember Laodicea? They thought they were rich, in need of nothing. Boy, they were clothed and everything. But Jesus says, man, you poor as you can be. Matter of fact, you naked. And you wretched. Matter of fact, you miserable. And they didn't even know it. You know, God will bless each person in here if you'll put on the whole armor of God. He'll bless you. And you know what happens if you fall? The Bible says, If our just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. <laughs> you got a God in heaven to say, Here you go. When David was laying on the ground, an old giant was over and thought he had slayed him. <laughs> just in time, here come Abishai. He came to the rescue. You know what God will do for you when you thought you've fallen? You think the devil's got the best of you? He'll send some help. He'll send some help. A young lady that rode our bus, she was being abused at home. She'd have to lock herself in her bedroom so that people couldn't get through the door to abuse her. She said she'd just get up in a ball and go up on the other side of her bed and just hear the pounding on the door and hear the beating on the door. People wanting to come in, angry cuss words. And she said, Lord, please send somebody. Send somebody to help me. God helped her. He sent somebody that helped her and got her out of that position she was in. 
I'd like to say that she made much of her life, but she didn't. She decided years later to go back into a life of sin. I trust she's doing better now. I don't know. But even then, when she cried out, send somebody. God heard her. And he loved her. And God will do the same for you. He'll help you. We don't have to fall to the giants of sin. It's not too late to take a stand. Matter of fact, our stand ought to be more resolved now than ever before. That we're just going to live for God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. She comes to play softly. Nobody looking around.